No air and salo for lover. You're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susanna Suisuiki. Coming up. Even today and last week, people have come around and thank me for what I've done. Niwe MP Terry Coe bows out from politics. Also, after six years of waiting for approval, the history of Solomon Scouts will finally be taught in the country's university. And later on... So long we dominated boxing, but recent times you know, our boxing has not performed the expectations. Two Fijian boxers stamp their mark on the global stage. But first up, some brief updates. We're in Niue. Dalton Tangilangi has been re-elected Premier, beating opposition leader Olaf Jacobson by 16 votes to four during the first sitting of the new assembly in Alofi yesterday. During the meeting, Niue's 20 assembly representatives also took their oaths of allegiance to the head of state, King Charles III, and to serve the government and people of Niue for the next three years. Television Niue reports Mr Tangilangi held discussions with senior members of the Fono today, after which he's expected to name his cabinet. The official opening of the 18th Niue Fono Ekepule will be held next week. During the opening, Premier Dalton Tangilangi will address the nation, and the eight new members of the Assembly will also be given the opportunity to deliver their maiden speeches. Meanwhile, 80-year-old Terry Coe has put in 30 years as a member of parliament in Niue. He was unsuccessful at the election at the end of last month, the first election he has lost. In his time on Niue, Terry Coe has gone from helping construct the airport more than 50 years ago to teaching and running Niue High School before entering politics. Don Wiseman caught up with him to talk about his experiences. It's all over, this very long political career you've had. How does it feel? Oh, I feel great. I spoke with uh, Leah because my wife is in New Zealand under medical and she's happy and I'm happy. We knew it could go either way and so that's good. We respect the voters' uh, choice and we hope that the new government will perform and answer a few of the questions that I asked to get them done by the by the cabinet, like the five-day-a-week and, and the change-the-dateline, etc. You have been a thorn in the side of so many governments. How long have you been an MP? 30 years, and I think we six years as the government of the day, and then the rest of that time is opposition, yeah, which has been good. And I like that opportunity to ask the questions and uh, put motions to the House. Even though I don't win them, it's still good to put them in and um, to try and extract the reasoning from the other side, you know, one way or the other, whether they approve of it or they don't, and their reasoning, because that's important in debating in the House. I don't know if you're the only Palangi who's ever been elected to the government in Niue, but you were there for a long time. Did you ever run into issues because you were a Palangi? Uh, no, it's, it's been very good. I've always had the interpreter there to help, and there's others that you know utilise that service as well, even though they're Nuans, uh, just to see what has been spoken in English. It's good. I've always appreciated it. Uh, the extra effort that they've put in to allow me. And also with that, the New Zealand rep and the Australian High Commission, they're also listening 
to that same interpretation of the Nguyen language. When did you first go to the island and what took you there? I went in 1967 and I went as a mechanic and then ended up with the looking after the airport construction mechanical wise and when we finished in 1971 January I came back to New Zealand and worked for Europa Oil Company and then BP Oil Company for 10 years and then went back in 81 to Nui as a training officer for the public works and then after that they closed it down because of they said that they had too many apprentices at that time. So I went I applied for the job at the high school and got the industrial arts teaching side and then during that year also I became the deputy principal of the high school and then the principal of the high school. And then I left and joined the uh, as an assemblyman for the uh, common role to fulfil those uh, three-year terms, two three-year terms as a minister, and then the rest as a member of the opposition. What have been the highlights for you? Oh, I think the best one is I, I've always the place is a very nice place, and the people are very friendly, and I appreciate that. I think even today and last week, people have come around and thanked me for what I've done. They've sorry to hear my voice not being on the on the TV or the radio, and uh, I think that's the best thing that you know you can end up. You are happy with what you've done and what the people think of you. I think that's really good. I appreciate that. And what's next? Will you stay on the island? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, I've got me, my lawnmower and brush cutters and whatnot fixing. I'm not fixing any motor vehicles now. It's too hard to do that. But at the moment, we're doing the boys for the yacht really by myself and with the help of Keith Bile, the Yacht Club Commodore. So we're putting those boys in with Nui Blue and they've put in, I think, six already and we've got another six to put in tomorrow. So that's good. And hopefully there's a fleet coming of about 15 yachts. And then the second lot will come probably two weeks later, the same amount, another 15. And that's good because it brings revenue into the island. And, and I enjoy doing the work, you know, on the boys to make sure they're up to standard. The stories of the Solomon Scouts and Coast Watchers in World War II are to be featured in a new Solomon Islands National University paper. Solomon Island Scout and Coast Watchers Trust Board Chair Sir Bruce Saunders says it's taken him six years to get approval. He told Lydia Lewis it's a monumental win. He's proud to know his work means the stories of war heroes will be taught and remembered. The Coast Watchers and Solomon Scouts and Coast Watchers played a vital role in the victory for the U.S. Marines who landed there in 1942. they wouldn't have won it, and they acknowledged that without the know-how and the and the intelligence of the Solomon Scouts and loyalty of Solomon Scouts to the cause of the U.S. The National University of the Solomon Islands is, as of next year, putting into its curriculum the study of the history of the Solomon Scouts during World War II. So it's in now the um, learning of the young people of today up, up until then it was not it was a side issue which now has been brought into the mainstream of learning for Solomon Islanders just as we do in Australia for Anzac so it really is 
based on the idea of my feeling of being an Australian, a proud Australian for that purpose, and we've now adopted and has been taken on by the people in the Solomons in the same vein, which is very satisfying, especially now it's in the coming into the university curriculum as a subject for... Yeah, because there's many stories that we don't know. And they don't know, and a lot of them don't know the stories. We achieved that in uh, just before in April. I met in the with at the university. I've been trying since 2017 to have it brought into the university, and it was accepted by the head of the history department of the university in uh, when he spoke when I spoke with him in uh, April of this year. And uh, we'll, he's very happy to go ahead, and this is. Uh, and so we've got books and that, and we're working with him to have it become. And the new, we had a new chancellor, Chancellor uh, Transform Akarao, A Q U A R O, is the new Solomon Island, very well educated and experienced Solomon Islander, is now vice chancellor of the university. So it's been a, a, a magnificent achievement as far as we're concerned for the trust board that this has happened in the year 2023. Wow, that's a massive achievement. And so you say yeah, it will be it implemented next year, will come into force. Yeah, yeah they're, they're saying they're going to put it in the history department and we're just getting information on that to them and it'll be a, a subject of for the history department or whatever they'll put it into in the Solomon Island National University, which caters to not only it has students coming in from uh, from different Pacific countries as well, not a lot, but it does. So it's, it's really now I can... Leave uh, that legacy will stand forever. What is the name of the history course or the the specific paper? Well, I don't know. I've just got it inside. Say of the modern, well, the history of. I don't know. They ha- I haven't got a title yet. All I know, I've got it in, and they're going to do it. So, title but, to be confirmed. <laughs> yes, that's right. Ring me again sometime. Wow! <laughs> but it'll be history. It'll be the history of the Solomon Scouts. Of, uh, during World War Two, I'm sure it'll be based on that, or Solomon Islanders during World War Two. And just to confirm again, you have driven this. This has been your child, I guess. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, since 2000, when we had the coup, 2009, we uh, and I got the support of the Prime Minister in uh, Gordon Darcy Lilo in about 2005, um, uh, and he because uh, we made. Commonwealth Street, where it is, a model street that was beautified, and, and then this monument was down at the north end facing out to sea. Wow. And I'd be happy to send you some videos or something on it because it really is something that should be understood and appreciated because this is equivalent to what, to, to what is Anzac Day to us in Australia. Fiji Boxing has made history with the participation of two boxers at the 2023 World Boxing Championship in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. Mikaele Ravalada Jr., who fights as a lightweight, and Johnny Davule Kore Langilangi, a featherweight, are trailblazers, as they are both the first Fijian boxers to ever compete at the world event. Mikaele lost his first fight against Spaniard Samuel Carmona in the featherweight IBA Men's World Championship belt on May 2nd. He lost on a close points decision and is the first Fijian to fight in a World Amateur Boxing Championship. 
Meanwhile, Johnny is making his own history after defeating Lakmore Kamoto of Zimbabwe in their lightweight bout, winning 5-0 on points. Fiji Amateur Boxing Association President and Chairman Manasa Bara Vilala spoke with RNZ Pacific's Elias Atora on how the achievements made by the two boxers augurs well for Fiji boxing, going into the November 2023 Pacific Games in Honiara, Solomon Islands. Yes, Fiji, uh, we, as you know, we sent two boxers to, uh, to Tashkan uh, with uh, Coach Cam Todd, who is the new national coach of Fiji Amateur Boxing. The two boxers uh, in two different weight groups. Mikael um, Ravolada from Bra, uh, he has uh, completed his first bout. Uh, he lost a very close uh, decision to a very uh, experienced uh, boxer from Spain who's had uh, over 200 bouts uh, and who also fought at the 2016 Rio Olympics mm. uh, compared to Mita, uh, who has, has about 15 bouts. He actually started last year in Fiji. So, uh, there's a, there a rationale for taking Mika to this uh, tournament, especially to uh, expose him to, you know, to lead boxes and high performance. And uh, we're very proud of the way that he's been able to perform there for himself, uh, losing uh, to a very experienced uh, boxer, uh, you know, by a by big points decision. And the second boxer is uh, in captain uh, Johnny Corrilangelang Zavule, who's from my right. Johnny has been in our team for some time. Uh, he's an experienced boxer. He represented Fiji at the 28th home uh, games and also uh, at the 22 home games in Birmingham last year. Mm. But unfortunately, uh, he, he caught COVID the day he, was, he joined the Games Village. And uh, that basically brought an end to his, uh, his Commonwealth campaign. But So I think uh, this, this is an opportunity for him to prove himself. And he's done that by... Uh, Winning his first bout uh, against a boxer from uh, Zimbabwe, uh, beating him uh, five meters on all the scorecards. So now Chone has moved uh, from the elimination round to the first round into the second round of 16, uh, which is free, uh, the first for any of us in Fiji. Uh, firstly, these two boxers are the first regions to ever represent Fiji at a World Boxing Championship. And Chone is, is the first boxer to move beyond the first round and go uh, to the second round. The the um, the participation of the two Fijian boxers at the World Boxing Championship. How did that come about? Uh, this came about uh, when we made an application to our international federation. Our international federation is is IBA, IBA, and uh, there's a provision uh, for for grants to countries like Fiji. So uh, we approached them, uh, and uh, they gave a grant of twenty thousand US dollars. Uh, the $20,000 went towards the three FAs, uh, the two from Fiji and Ken Todd from New Zealand, and also paid for the uh, hotel uh, in Tashkan. So uh, the 20000 was fully uh, spent uh, on, 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 on the trip, the pay for the trip. The, the local uh, amateur boxing scene back in, back in Fiji, uh, how is that going at this time? Uh, what has the competition been like uh, and, and the interest from uh, amateur boxers? Um, I think, well, I think about uh, six, seven years ago, uh, and I speak for the Free Gems of Boxing, uh, we, we basically had about 15, 20 clubs, and we used to draw maybe uh, 10, 15 bouts at, at, uh, at the Rewanda, Rewai Community Hall. Um, then we had COVID, and, uh, and then we moved down to the new gym at Waterloo Bay, the old PWD gym. Mm-hmm. This is renamed Commodore Stan Brown Gym. 
And uh, once we found a permanent location, uh, which is part of our strategic plan, we saw a rise in clubs and participation. So uh, we were getting up to uh, 30, 40 clubs at the gym. Uh, then COVID hit, and that's gone down again, and we've just restarted. And right now we're having about 25, 30 bouts uh, here at, at Kuala Bay. Now, amateur boxing, we also have, we have clubs coming from uh, from Ra, from Ba, from Otoka, Nandi, Sinatoka. Uh, so what we're trying to do now is set up another association in the West. And last week, uh, I think it was a week before last, uh, we ran a uh, boxing program in association with the Fiji Sports Commission. And we had uh, about 100 and uh, over 100 bouts. Uh, so, uh, so that, you know, it's a good indication of where we are. The things are, you know, that the hard work is starting to bear fruits, uh, you know, yeah, at the National Federation. The uh, Pacific Games in November in Honiara, Fijian boxing, boxing had previously dominated uh, Pacific Games boxing competitions in the past. Uh, how is uh, Fiji Amateur Boxing uh, preparing for that and uh, what would be the focus be? Yeah, that, that, that's a very good point that you picked. Uh, you know, for so long we dominated boxing, but in recent times you know, our boxing has not performed the expectation. So there's, um, there's a lot of expectation on, on, on the Pacific Games uh, team uh, at the end of this year. Like, and and it's, it's timely that we are now getting our first international coach based in Fiji. I came taught from New Zealand, so Cam is joining us uh, in June. He's coming with the boys in Tashkent. So he's going to be based in Fiji, uh, led by the Ministry of Youth and Sports, uh, to be the first full-time national coach in Fiji. Uh, and, uh, so we have prepared a, a squad for the Pacific Games, and we have uh, several uh, in the competition coming up uh, to test our squad, mainly the team from uh, this team, I mean from, uh, uh, from Australia. I think we also have teams from New Zealand is coming in as a local competition. So we're very, we're very keen to make amends at the, at the 2023 Pacific Games in Honiara. That's Pacific Ways for today. To listen back, head over to rndi.com slash programs or you can download us on Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, Vayexia and Tofa Soifua.